Welcome to another SLC Elevate Conversation, an interview to help faithful Christian men and women to be the biblical leaders God intends for them to be. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, You therefore be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We've begun this recording conversation interviews after many requests with some key biblical leaders from around the country. Today, we have a very timely interview to help us in understanding how to reach the younger generation, often called Generation Z, that's around us. I had the privilege of attending a biblical worldview conference sponsored by Precept Marketing a few weeks ago. Precept Marketing is the marketing arm of BJU Press in Greenville, South Carolina. Two of the speakers at the conference were Dr. Glenn Schultz, the founder and director of Kingdom Education Ministries, and Ben Shetler, the president and co-founder of the Center for Truth in Love. While at the conference, Glenn interviewed Ben on the topic of reaching Generation Z in our culture today. I so enjoyed hearing the interview that I asked permission to use it uh, for our SLC Elevate conversation. I know it will be a blessing to you. So let's get right into the interview. Today on Kingdom Currents, I will be talking with Ben Shetler, founder and president of the Center for Truth and Love. Stay tuned as we talk about the challenges of reaching Generation Z. Welcome to Kingdom Currents Podcast. My name is Glenn Schultz, your host, and today I'm excited to have Ben Shetler back on Kingdom Currents. Ben, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be back. Uh, I always enjoy talking with you, and Ben and I are in our nation's capital where we have been presenting at a VIP Worldview Conference at the Museum of the Bible. And this conference is for Christian school educators and board members and pastors on the importance of biblical worldview when it comes to the education of children and youth. Uh, Ben, uh, share with the listeners a little about the Center for Truth and Love. Yeah, well, before, we, we would be remiss to not talk about we are in the very back dungeons of the biblical or the, the Bible museum. It's so cool where we're at. I, I imagine few people have ever seen this spot in the heart of the nation. It's kind of kind of fun to be here. But yeah. The, and, and then to do a podcast here. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. So I'm having fun. Um, the Center for Truth and Love exists to equip believers to speak truth in a loving way. And unfortunately, there are some believers that want to be loving, but they take culture's definition of love. And so they're silent oftentimes when they need to speak because culture always says, well, you can't talk about this or that. And then on the, uh, to be loving. And then on the other hand, you have those people that speak and they're so unkind when they speak, you wish they would be silent. <laughs> and God hasn't called us to silence. So the Center for Truth and Love focuses on biblical worldview, um, apologetics and cultural engagement to equip believers to speak truth in a loving way. So that's that's what we do and focus on. And uh, here at the conference, uh, of course, you, you've been challenging teachers and things like that on Gen Z primarily. Uh, if you were to go and 
you know, I know you showed a little uh, trailer of a little video. Yeah. You, you talked about some of the uh, concepts of Gen Z, what they're like. What, what are some of the things that it would be good for listeners to know about Gen Z? Yeah, uh, there. That's a solid question. Um, yeah, Gen Gen Z is an amazing. Um, and what we mean by Gen Z is just a generational demographic, and I don't know if people understand that. So we're talking about a generation, the post-millennial generation. So you've got the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and then Gen Z, and then the alphas after. And um, what would I want to know about Gen Z? Well, they're they're young, they're up and coming. Um, uh, there's a very high concern for safety. Um, this is a technologically immersed generation. Um, and, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot, but there's also, we, we kind of highlight frequently some of the obstacles that they have. And this is a generation that has a hard time on knowing who they are. Human identity is very difficult. And because they don't know who they are, it's very hard to find the truth. What is true and what isn't because they're lied to about even what a human is. And when you can't find the truth, it's very difficult to love because love actually is defined by truth. So we have a poor definition of love. And when you can't love correctly, you can't disagree with people. And so you see this incredible difficulty of disagreement. And then when you can't disagree, you don't know how to fail because sometimes disagreement reveals that I was in the wrong. And so this is a generation that struggles with failure. And so you've seen a massive suicide rate. And so when you put all that together, identity is driving some significant issues with with Gen Z. And those are probably good for anyone to be aware of. You know, um, you get to travel like I do all across country and you talk to young people and you also get an opportunity to talk to parents. If you were to identify some hot topics uh, that uh, we need to understand that parents of Gen Z are facing or Gen Z themselves, what, what are some of those hot topics? Well, I, I, I think identity is primary. I think, um, it, knowing who I am and who I was created to be. And, you know, specifically like, uh, you know, with the, t- the timing of this, uh, Bud Light, it's a very unpopular beer right now because they endorsed a, uh, a, a man that's pretending to be a woman. And, um, you know, the Lord loves that man and wants the best for that man. Um, however, that, that man now being an adult is confusing an entire generation. And so knowing that's dangerous. And so I think kids need to have an answer for who they were created to be. And and then on top of that, another hot topic, topic in our culture right now is also race. And what's really interesting is you see how these merge where we are combining what God clearly separated in the book of Genesis, that he created two kinds of people. And then we are are separating what God did not. He did not create all these different races. He created two kinds of people, and they they may or may not have different skin colors, or they but 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 God's identity is man and woman. Where what we've done is said men and women are the same. Yet all let's let's divide by skin color. And so I think those are two issues that kids need to be brought back to a biblical worldview on, and they both kind of uh, are at the heart of identity. Well, you know, I, I'm glad you the language you used because you didn't say, you know, there's there's a man who is transitioning to be a woman. You said there's a man who's pretending to be a woman because you can't transition from one gender to another. 
is biologically impossible. Uh, it's genetically impossible. Um, you cannot become a man who's a who is a man cannot become a woman. They can identify as one, but we can identify literally as anything. Um, yeah, it's and I think that's important for us. There's not a transition that's that's occurring. I appreciate you highlighting that. Yeah, that's why I use that language. And and you know, and I I've always felt that sometimes when we hit these cultural issues, we as Christians. We use terminology that is confusing. You know, we talk about the fact there's one race, but then at the same time, we'll talk about the need for racial diversity and, and or, or racial consolation. And but but you can't reconcile one. <laughs> You've yeah. got to have two. So uh, I've always felt that we've got to be careful with even the the language that we use and Christians need to stand up to, to that. Like what we, we do need to have a mindset that we're not always working with or promoting or, or limited to people that have our identical skin color. But I also feel like it's dangerous to drive everything by going, okay, we need this number of people with this skin color and this number of people with this. And that, that is, that itself is extremely racist. And I was actually working with a, a, conference recently where they're like, oh, well, we need, you know, we've got to be intentional about diversity. And I said, well, we need to be intentional about who we reach out to. So I appreciate the notion. We don't want to have just what you, we want to have, uh, you know, as may, we don't want to be limited to the thought that we have in this conference based on skin color. But at the same time, if you're just going, well, we need X amount, that's problematic. I said, but we do need to make sure that there's female voices in there. And they said, how is that any different? And I said, well, because God created two kinds of people, um, but he didn't create us to make separations. And I remember the, the head of this whole thing was like, oh, wow, I never thought of that before. And it is amazing how our culture will push us to not think biblically. And yet the Bible really is a clear guide. Well, it, it just reemphasizes the, the concept that there's nothing out there neutral. And when we're bombarded by the culture with lies all the time, we stop thinking about things biblically. And that's mm. what you faced. Uh, when in your presentation, you also said it's so important to know what students believe. Mm. Um, why is that important? And what are some of the beliefs of this younger generation that maybe parents and church leaders and educators don't focus on? Um, what you believe to be true, I love your questions, by the way. <laughs> you, have, you have excellent questions, which makes for a fun, fun conversation. What you believe to be true changes everything. It, it literally is the focal point of your actions because your beliefs determine your values. Your values determine your desires, like what you value, you then desire. And then your desires will produce actions. So what I want to do, I typically do. And so if, if my beliefs are correct, then my values will be correct. And if my values are correct, then what I desire will be correct. I, you know, it's interesting. There is no doubt that there are men in our culture that desire to be with other men. Um, but biblically speaking, that, that desire is not a holy one. So what I have to do is take that desire to the truth of Scripture and say, where am I drawing my values? So that's just one example. But what you believe to be true is is absolutely vital. And then you had a second question that you tagged on to that. Well, what, what do you think uh, this younger generation believes oh. that 
the older generation not be, may not be aware of because they don't think that way. Yeah, so this is a question that I, I and I just discussed this minutes ago, was that we need to be asking, what does the next generation believe if belief is so vital? And, um, and by believe, I think sometimes we go, well, do you believe the Bible? It's more specific than that. What specific things do you believe? And it might be surprising some of the conclusions you find. And so rather than trying to pinpoint one, because I just went through generally, they don't, you know, they don't know how to love. They don't know how to find the truth. They don't. I, I just went through all of that. So you can rewind and listen again. But what I would say when we get specific with parents or educators is that I think it's good to create questions that give you insight into what your child believes. So in general, I believe that those things are, are things that in general, Gen Z is going to struggle with those areas. But specifically, I think it's very important to ask your children hard and revealing questions and, and also create a space that they feel comfortable revealing to you maybe some of the the differences in in the belief that you may have and even if that belief is poor they still need to ha- be able to articulate it so so we can as a parent together go okay well let's talk about this and so i i think it's good to dig into i think there's a lot of things that parents if they in, in educators if they took the time to ask their students or children Hey, what do you think about this? And the best way to do that is to um, pull out a newspaper, well, newspaper, but an article, some type of article that that seems poignant, and then ask your kid about it. So you're reading an article. Hey, what do you think about this? And that will be so revealing their worldview. And and they will be honest if you ask them, it, and, yeah. and in a non-threatening way, right? And, and I think the other thing that I, I have seen and I've witnessed with young people. When they share a question or they share a, a doubt, a concern, something like this, it's like the authority figure sort of uses the Bible as a hammer hmm. and says, no, you've got to believe this, rather than say, okay, let's look at this scripture now. How does this scripture line up with what you just said? Right. That's so, that's so that they have to wrestle yeah. with it. Uh, you know, And I, I think that's, that's a missing component even even in Christian schools and Christian homes we we don't give those opportunities for questions I love that question how does this line so here's the scripture how does that line up with because then they then they have to make a case that's really good I, I can remember one time my youngest child uh, he came up and typical young teenager he said dad can I do this and it was something I, I didn't really want him to be doing and I said I'd rather you not do it and he says well, why? Because everybody else is doing it. And I, I said, well, here's what I want you to do. And I gave him a couple passages of scripture. And I said, I want you to go read those. And if you did this, what would you have to do with that passage of scripture? And, you know, he, he walked away a little bit discouraged. And my wife said, why didn't you just tell him <laughs> why? And I said, well, because he's going to be out there by himself. And I want him to know when I'm questioning something, there is a source you go to. And the source isn't necessarily dad. The source is scripture. So, uh, you know, I've always felt that very important. If there were, if we had a thousand parents of Gen Z out here and you got to say, here's two things you need to know or do, either one, 
What what advice would you give to those parents? A couple things. Oh man, um, I I hate the limitation of two things, right? Um, and of course, our our time's limited. What would I say? Uh, you know, I don't know exactly. I'd I'd like uh, more time to think about that question. But let me let me give a, a one thing that I do think that we miss is I feel like there's a division on parents on one of two extremes. On on one extreme is. You know, things really aren't that bad. And we want to convince ourselves that the cultural, that that what the devil is doing really isn't that scary. Because if, and then the other extreme is embracing that it's so scary that God cannot have victory in your child's life. And so oftentimes, you know, if if the parent wants to convince themselves that things aren't that bad for their child, that, that they'll reimagine the world in a way that it is not. So I would say understand that there is a very real enemy called the devil that is that sees the destruction of your child or student as paramount to his mission. He will, he, at all costs, he wants to, to destroy their life. And I think that's important. And then I guess the other side of that is if you're like, yeah, I'm so aware of that and I'm living in fear, I would say greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That we we must understand that the truth of the Bible is sufficient and that the Holy Spirit can guide us into all truth. Jesus said it's better for me to the disciples that I leave because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit which will indwell each of you. And the manifestation of God as Jesus was an individual person that you had to walk up, you had to, to get healed, you had to go and touch him. You had to well, well, he did heal people from a distance, but but the point is, is Jesus was considered to be a person. He said that spirit is a spirit that can indwell each believer, and we have the Holy Spirit, and and He is powerful. So I would say, be concerned, but don't be overwhelmed. Well, that's I think that's good advice because sometimes I think parents are at a loss and uh, unfortunately I, I remember George Barnes speaking and, and he said that we're, we're sort of subletting our children mm. out to others yeah. to train and parents when they do that they think okay I'm being a good parent now because I've got them in a good Christian school I've got them in a good church uh, even the coach that on a travel team he's a good christian and they sort of outsource their yeah. parenting responsibility rather than they themselves taking that responsibility mm. and not being overwhelmed but understanding what the culture war really is what well, would you give any different advice to pastors and church leaders right now yeah i i would and i would say pastors specifically um do not be afraid. Well, well, two things because I get I get two right. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, wh- one, I would say, pastors, we have got to contextualize the Bible's truth to the problems that arise in culture and arise in the families that you're leading, and that means when you see a headline that your congregation is struggling with. Do not avoid what the Bible says about that principle because you're afraid someone will walk out of your church. The people in your church need to hear the Bible's truth contextualized to the situations that they are facing. And then I would add, don't be afraid. 
because it is often fear that drives us away from saying, and, and this is amazing, there's a lot of good pastors that can can expand on what the Bible says and teach the Bible to a point that's not relevant. So it's like, well, God loves us. Well, that's true. But what does it mean that God loves us? And here's what it means. It means that God loves the Christian in a way where the Bible says, despise not the chastening of the Lord that you may actually be dealing with something in your life right now, a health problem or something that is bad, that the Lord put there to draw you to himself. And we're over here going like, oh, you're going to make it through. Everything's going to be fine, health and wealth. And the truth is that God may have put that in there. Now, he may have done put it there for another reason. I'm not saying it's because you did something wrong, but that exists. And so when we talk about God's love, we need to talk about the, the application of God's love as sometimes it's God saying, I'm going to put you through something challenging because I love you, because I want you to change course. Well, that's that's an application I don't hear often. It's not as popular. And so I, I think what we've got to say is we don't just teach the Bible. We teach the Bible as applied to the culture that we're in. And let's not be afraid of that because that will grow your church more than you realize. People are hungry for that. Well, you know, when you talked about the fact that God loves us so much that he will discipline us mm-hmm. when we go astray, uh, that is a mark of whether you're really a believer. Yeah. I, I was listening to a, a message a little while ago where, where the, the pastor said, he used the passage, and I had never had this explained this way, that God said, I, I love Jacob, I hate Esau. And, and he said, what happened was, he said, you know, Jacob was, was one of his children, had, had turned to God. And Esau was one who, hey, he become a mighty nation. He did a lot of great things that God blessed. But guess what? He never disciplined Esau because Esau wasn't one of his. Where Jacob, he was disciplining every other day because he was his. I know we used to have the kids in the neighborhood play in our backyard while we while our kids were growing up we did not try to grow grass in our backyard because we wanted all the kids from the neighborhood to play in our backyard but when they get playing and they get arguing and fighting i'd go out and say hey michael or jason or terry lynn hey come on in the house and they'd come in and i'd let the neighborhood kids play in the backyard and they said why did we have to come in they were they were fighting too i said they're not my children you know, you're my children. I'm responsible for you. And God, God is not a negligent father. He will not let mm-hmm. us live in sin and not correct us. So let, let's talk about teachers and administrators in Christian schools, because I do think really they may have the best amount of time and everything to influence this next generation. What do we tell them? Um. Yeah, I would echo some of these same things. Um, the Bible is sufficient. And I guess I guess when we look at it from an education standpoint, I would say definitely listen to the thing that I said to parents. Don't be don't be underwhelmed and ignore the problem, but also don't be overwhelmed. And then I would say 
you know, to the pastors, educators is relevant, that the Bible is sufficient. I would say that. But one thing I guess we could add is that if you have a biblical worldview, you need to have the capacity to integrate the truth of Scripture, not in a secular format. That is to say, I don't want to separate the Bible as a marginalized Bible verse in my English class, but to constantly have in front of my students that speech is a gift from God and that we can honor him with our voices in the way that we speak to others. So so that would be true of English. Mathematics demonstrates the orderliness of God and our ability to investigate his, his uh, universe with an ordered mathematical language. Um, science to constantly keep, you know, whatever subject matter you're in, uh, history. I mean, history teachers should, should constantly be aware of the sovereign hand of God and the free will of man. Like you see both being played out in history. Um, so, uh, you know, so each of, each of these disciplines don't need to be isolated from, well, I'm at a Christian school. I'm allowed to say God. I can open up in prayer. All of these things are good, but you have got to, as a teacher, integrate even on the elementary level, the truth of the Bible into what you're doing. And that's what I would add to those other things, because I think all of these would be applicable to teachers. I think another thing that happens sometimes in Christian schools, we, we love these kids so much that we don't see them as sinners. Oh, you know, we that's good. We, we, we think, oh, what we're hearing about the gender dysphoria and everything, that's someplace else. But it's in the Christian school, too. Yeah, I think that is that's an amazing observation to realize that this is not this is not something that's happening in the public schools. Like the culture at large has embraced this confusion and the students that you're leading are struggling with it. Yeah, they're struggling with a lot of things. Yeah. And that's part of understanding the reality of the culture, but not being overwhelmed by it. Yep. Uh, Because you can also when you start seeing a lot of our kids are struggling with some of these issues. You, you can get discouraged and say, well, we're not doing our job because we're a Christian school. But it's a sewing ministry. Mm. We may not see the results. Would Amen. you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, absolutely a sewing ministry. And anyone that's an educator knows that. But it's all—it's one of the easiest things to forget. Um, and the Bible does say if you're faithful to sow, you're going to reap. So. And and maybe we've been sowing the wrong things, and that's why we're reaping what we're doing. <laughs> I, w- I would agree. I would agree to to some regard. And yes. Of course, that, you know that's a blanket statement, but some have sowed wrong. Yep. But some have sowed right. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, tell our listeners uh, how they can find out more information on the center. For, for Truth and Love. Yeah, so I would love to send you a free resource on how to speak the truth and love. This will have some of our really cool videos along with some some writing from me. So if, if you text the word prepared to the number 33777, so it's like Trinity, Trinity, completion, 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 33777, the word prepared, um, you can be connected to the Center for Truth and Love and get a free resource. And then we have some amazing videos called the Cur- a series called The Curious Conversation that you can go on online. It's kind of like the PragerU of apologetics is what we call it. That's on our website, the Center for Truth and Love.org, as well as archived television shows where we discuss current events and apologetics through the lens of a biblical worldview. And that is also all on our website. Well, Ben, thank you for being on the program today. My privilege. Thanks, Dr. Schultz. You're the man. 
Uh, I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to Kingdom Currents. If you have any questions or comments about today's program, email me at Glenn, that's G-L-E-N, one N, at kingdomeducation.org. And for more information on the resources we have developed, you go to kingdomeducationministries.com. One of the things I hope you'll take away from this episode is that we must be more intentional in making disciples out of future generations. So I trust you will tune in each week to the podcast, share it with others, and may God give you wisdom as you serve the Lord each and every day. Allow me to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Frameworks. The support of this Biblical Worldview initiative is what makes the Kingdom Currents podcast possible. Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona, has partnered with many well-known and established ministries to create relevant online courses taught from a Biblical Worldview context. Some of these partners include Young Life, Likewise Worship, Summit Ministries, Stand to Reason, and more. This initiative allows all high school students, whether they attend public, private, or home schools, to take elective courses online where they can actually get credit for these courses at their own schools. For more information on this exciting new initiative, Frameworks, go to ncsaz.org. Again, to learn more about Frameworks, go to ncsaz.org. I know that you have enjoyed this SLC Elevate conversation today. You might want to listen to it again, take some notes, and even share this interview with other leaders in your ministry, even beyond. We also hope that you will join us for future Elevate conversations. For more information about our ministry, contact us on our website, elevateinfo.org.